This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tales from the Loop episodes one and two are over, but here on Post Show Recaps, we are just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course, I'm not alone. Uh, I am, of course, first here with DM Philly. We swapped bodies, Philly, so should we, should we tell them we did that? Uh, yeah, we can. I'm not going back. I'm sorry, Grace. You have to live. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and of course, uh, joined also by the wonderful Ariel. Ariel, uh, I'm secretly your time traveling mother, just so you know. I feel left out of the swap thing, but it's fine. It's whatever. Technically, I'm, I'm now not... I'm your time traveling mother, so it's that's fine. right. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not gonna harp on it. Everything is confusing enough as it is. <laughs> All right, tales from the loop. We're watching it. This is. Um, we have many names. I feel like. I feel like we haven't quite uh, figured out the like elevator pitch on what we're doing. But together, we are the travelers, and together, we are bringing shows out of the dark. These are like our two things right and so right now we're covering tales from the loop which as we've mentioned a few times uh came out what what was it march 2020 Uh, yeah real tough timing grace (laughs) it was real tough timing i think for this little show uh yeah it looks like april 3rd 2020 so uh immediately after march 20 uh 2020 which 
yeah, began the COVID. Uh, uh, didn't it wasn't the start of COVID, but that was the start of everyone actually taking it seriously. It was the while. lockdowns, yeah, the lockdowns. Um, so this is a show that really needed to come out of the dark. I think, um, uh, Rich. Um, just before you talk about a little bit more about Tales from the Loop and the choice for us to be covering it as a, a as a podcast here, just want to remind folks you could subscribe. These will all be in the postshowrecaps.com slash dark feed. Um, that might be confusing, but that's where we're gonna we're gonna continue to live as as uh, Rich, Aaron, and I cover these shows. We covered these movies. So postrecaps.com slash dark. I'm sure this will also drop in the binge show feed and any other feed that makes sense. Um, so yeah, make sure you subscribe. Um, I don't I didn't do it for this week, but I'll try to get the perhaps we uh, will give some MVP LVB points as we did um with Dark. So I'll get the uh feedback form set up. I believe it will still be postrecaps.com slash dark feedback is where you can give your feedback on Tales from Not confusing at all, right, Rich? No, that is definitely not confusing at all. Uh, listen, I live in the dark. I'm very comfortable podcasting from the dark. I'm happy with our dark feed. And I think that there's a lot of um, like connective DNA between these projects that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Tales from the Loop. This is a show that you had put on my radar, Rich, I think for a few reasons. I think the tabletop RPG that is born out of the uh, original Tales from the Loop uh, premise um, and then the TV show, you had said it was good. I I will admit, I once tried to start Tales from the Loop, and actually, when I went back to Amazon Prime, it was like, "Do you want to finish the first episode?" <laughs> so I did. I think I was just in a sleepy state, which is not unusual um, uh, for for a leader. Uh, we are a very sleepy uh, family, so uh, yeah, going back and rewatching it, I very much enjoyed these first two episodes. But Rich, I would love to like give you the floor in terms of like this was kind of your pitch in terms of a show we potentially should cover as a follow-up to dark and our time travel movies yeah ariel and i talked about it a little bit last week at the end of the predestination pod but i have been telling everybody who will listen about simon Stalinhog since about 2014 he is a, a visual artist he's considered a bit of an avant-garde artist a contemporary artist and and all of this property tales from the loop the show the tabletop role-playing game that i love very much and is the game that i used for mike and josh when we did the stranger things rpg and um simon Stalinhog just was a visual artist he made still images i shared a couple of them in the discord channel with you guys but they were these very powerful i'm going to use a philly word evocative stills of an 80s that never was it was this real like kind of um, retro sci-fi with a futuristic bent it was this kind of setting he is from sweden he was raised outside of um Copenhagen, I believe, uh, and he, or Stockholm, I'm sorry. And he really just captured the beauty and the majesty of like the landscape alongside these conceptual kind of science fiction images that we would imagine from the eighties. And it was so powerful. It, it kind of created such a movement on the internet. This man garnered kind of such attention for these still pictures that there was a Kickstarter released and funded to publish an entire tabletop role-playing game system, which is a very good game uh, as a connoisseur of this very niche product grace i can mm -hmm. say it's really well made and well crafted he published a couple of art books one of the same name tales from the loop uh follow-up i believe there's one coming i think a third that may have been published mm -hmm. or may not yet called the electric state but it is 
just incredible to me that this man threw these still images that he created using digital tools in the 21st century was able to inspire the imaginations of so many storytellers. It's the whole kind of nature of tabletop role-playing games that you can sit down with your friends and, and create a story whole cloth where there was nothing before with the kind of framework of rules that they give you. And I think the show is a really beautiful, well-crafted, amusing um, on a lot of melancholy feelings i think that when i was doing my bit of research today looking at like the tales from the loop reddit the episode one breakdown thread top comment right there first one this show really reminded me of dark if you like <laughs> tales from the loop you should go check out dark so i feel like there's a lot of connective tissue and especially a joke but given its release um it's a really pensive sad show and i think that your experience yeah. of starting the first episode and dozing off is not singular uh it moves very slowly i think that like a lot of beloved psr properties i'm thinking of like the leftovers lost like it's about the people, not the science so much. It is a much more character-driven story than it is plot. But it felt really perfect for us to tackle. And as uh, I rewatched episode one in preparation for this, I was like, I hope, Ariel, that this feels clear why I would say suggest this after we spent the last six months deep diving dark. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, Honestly, my takeaway after watching even just the first episode was like, I'm just sad. And what and specifically <laughs> what I mean is I'm sad that this isn't a bigger thing. Like I'm sad that it came out when it came out. And obviously the that plan had been in place, I'm sure, for a long time before anything horrible COVID related happened. And then you think they planned for it to really they're like, we gotta wait for a pandemic. <laughs> and then, <laughs> this is the saddest possible moment. Get it out there. Get it out there. Yeah. And uh it's oh god and the crazier part is i just remember philip glass like the first philip glass who does the the music for this i remember the thing that i remember seeing like at my er the earliest memory i have of philip glass is there was this documentary series on hbo called pandemic <laughs> and it was about aids and i just like it was obviously super depressing and very uh very just like real world issues and the music just made it feel that much more dramatic and important and then here we are this other pandemic but uh not so fun fact about about that word pandemic and philip glass but i i was and then i go so then i'm like sad why isn't this a bigger thing and i'm researching reviews of like how was this received at the time because i before rich mentioned it to me maybe i had seen an article about it that i one that i don't remember but i hadn't really heard of it and the one from uh i think it's roger ebert.com is uh it says amazon's tales from the loop aims to break your heart and i'm like yeah and that's the kind of stuff that i love so i'm really really happy and honestly as corny as it sounds i'm really grateful that like you put this on our radar rich and i love these episodes especially the first one so much and i i can't wait to talk about it yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. I think, you know, everyone was like, nah, I'm going to watch Tiger King, I think. When, yep, uh, that's when exactly what was happening as I pulled my <laughs> hair out, Grace. Yeah. So You were too sad to watch it, Grace. That's right. <laughs> I did watch Tiger King. I did watch it, uh, embarrassingly. Um, yeah, and so I think that 
yeah, it's just it's so unfortunate that this drops at a time where people don't really it's the world sucks uh, at that time. Uh, some would argue sometimes still does. And so <laughs> I think, yeah, people just like I don't think we're in the mood for this. What I really liked was the way in which I feel like what was fun over the last three weeks. And unfortunately, I was not able to join for the predestination chat, but I did watch the movie and sent in some feedback was how we all kind of picked you know, we picked time travel movies, but they all sort of had a different little bit of a spin on on a time travel movie. And what I really enjoyed about Tales from the Loop, and I actually love, Rich, that we actually ended up with the, the timing of everything, of watching two episodes. Because I'm going to say this thing that probably everybody listens to a bunch of my podcasts. Thank you very much. This will be so sick of me saying, but let the show tell you what it is, mm -hmm. which is it becomes very clear after the, at the end of two episodes. And I don't know if this continues, but my my thought process, I thought it was very fun that episode one is a specific type of sci-fi and episode yep. two plays in a different type of sci-fi. We basically yep. get time travel and then we get body swap. And if that's sort of the, the tale they're going, it's, it's almost after party ish Ariel of like, Ooh, what genre will this episode be? What, what are they going to play with? Um, I can see the world too. where like, that's not how it goes. And obviously rich, you you've watched it. And, and, um, Aaron and I haven't, uh, I think, I don't know if you watched ahead Ariel, but no. the idea that, yeah, yeah, I figured, but, um, the idea that also, they could kind of break that mold as basically we are, it's not anthology because I think you said this in the, before we started rich of like, we basically jump to another character's point of view. Yep. Um, and that maybe is a trend that will continue. And then we, we tell this intimate story about somebody else, but it's within the same world in a way that I just like really, really enjoyed the way that that, uh, you know, it's anthology and it's not anthology because it seems like it might have a little bit of a, a through line, at least like what is the loop? Um, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like it was not necessarily pulling on because potentially it came before some of this stuff. But I, I do feel like it has definitely some dark energy in episode one. I feel like the loop is very severancey potentially. Yep. Um, there's just a lot that I think this show is nailing the aesthetic of. This thing that we kind of like, which is like kind of like, yeah, melancholy sci-fi, I think yep. is a, a pretty popular genre right now that I think this show so far for two episodes in um, uh, did did very excellently. So I'm excited to to get into it. I saw a couple of reviews where they talk about it's a softer, gentler black mirror. And I think I that's felt not that entirely well. that because it's not such an anthology. I think it really harkens to the Twilight Zone, like the, the eternal predecessor to black mirror in that way. But like shows like I'm going to keep saying it, but like the leftovers, because it's got that same kind of emotional impact for me overall. And even dark for that matter, it very pointedly focuses in on these tight, character driven stories and they do not waste their real estate on screen like as we're tracking just from episode one and episode two the characters that we see as like peripheral in episode one become central in episode two and that is a theme that will carry there's a very clear through line moving through the series which is eight episodes and it is not about interrogating the plot you know it's not the kind of like hard science of primer I think that like it had huge petite mama energy that we get to 
and, and even some. I think in episode one, I think it definitely. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really fun and I think it's going to be a really fun exercise for us to get into it. I do think, uh, you know, you mentioned Philip Glass. You can't talk about the show without talking about how powerful that score is. Philip Glass, I mean, um, for folks who know him, generally love him. I like went and saw Akhenaten a couple of years ago and he was there at the opera and it was very fun, wow. Ariel. But he uh, manages to like crush your soul with this score, which gets used a lot. And I see a lot of folks that are talking about it on Reddit and in their responses over the last three years since it dropped, which is like, I want to love this show. All the ingredients are here, but it crushes. It leaves me so sad. Um, and I do think that that's like part of it. We're dark, sometimes very aggressively attacked our sensibilities like Ulrich with a rock. I think that um, Tales from the Loop is very like uh, methodical in the way that it tries to like extract our pain to a, a real like kind of a beautiful medley of feelings, you know? Yeah. And like have it out here, like take the pain and like hold it in your hand and like yep. now you have to deal with it because yep. the music is demanding it. And I love it. It's Philip Glass is like, uh, I wish he did more. He's so selective with his projects in a way that mm -hmm. I respect, but I just wish that he did more because I want more of it, but um, Ariel, is this the point where I uh, you have to take a drink because I mentioned that I uh, saw a movie that had a Philip Glass, uh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> composition yeah. at the Toronto National Film Festival, which I attended. I don't know if you heard Tiff. The Toronto National Film Festival. I, 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 behind your back, I've just started calling you Tiff. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know that, but mm -hmm. um, but you all mentioned like leftovers and, yeah. and Black Mirror and Severance and Dark, uh, Dark obviously, and a lot. I agree with all of those because I was getting a lot of those. The leftovers, especially for me, the music, mm -hmm. like. Very, even though that wasn't Philip Glass, there were a lot of like uh, themes and and instruments that felt very similar, and some of those minor chords that are just so emotional and uneasy, and just make you feel sometimes confused. Frankly, you're not even sure what you're feeling; you're just like emotionally affected. For me, another show that I couldn't help but think of was Fringe, especially early on mm -hmm. when it had a bigger budget. Like the way some of these shots look so regular quote unquote and then you see something incredible happening like the house starting to disintegrate or whatever and it's just to to the point rich of like the paintings i think it's capturing some of that of like something that at first glance could be really ordinary and then something extraordinary is happening within it and it's it's like the fringe was so that again especially in the beginning where they weren't on the bubble as much and they hadn't been moved to Fridays and uh, they had more of a budget. It was just, it was kind of incredible to behold. I saw a lot of people uh, relating it back to fringe. It's a notable blind spot in like my kind Me of lexicon, you know? So uh, I always mean to go back to it, but it's a really special show. You're saying I'm, it's on the fringe of your watch list. Yes, mm -hmm. precisely. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm really excited to talk through it with you guys. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so let me give a quick plot recap of episodes one and two and, and, and very uh, simply, and we can dive into whatever we want to dive into, but episode one, basically we meet this, uh, girl, she's, she's built as, as young girl and, uh, her mother, uh, Alma, who seemingly works at the, the loop, um, and basically has seemingly stolen an object from the loop, um, which, uh, the high sparrow, <laughs> 
tells her. Uh, what is this? Man, Jonathan Price. Yeah. Jonathan Price uh, is urging her to return. Um, uh, one day after school, uh, she's waiting for uh, her mom. She never shows up, and uh, she discovers this uh, sort of potentially this this rock that might be what she she stole the the eclipse. Um, and she's intent on finding her mom. She runs into this boy Cole, who's throwing rocks at robots like a bad a bad young man and um uh they hang out they're trying to find um almost seemingly and slowly this girl is going to figure out that um uh, almost not there going to run into this cole's mom loretta who we then will learn perhaps is loretta uh the young girl is is loretta um as well um they do break into uh, uh the loop where they sort of have this conversation um about the fact that this is happening um and uh yeah eventually uh she's gonna reveal that her mom will not return she'll remember these moments but potentially not until they actually start to happen um later um episode two is a body swap uh situation where these two boys uh jacob and danny jacob is cole's older brother they find a mysterious sort of what would you call this rich like a uh it's so you know simon's art being so swedish yeah. in nature he's like drawing a lot on the landscape there they, they're sea mines mm -hmm. uh the the shape of this gigantic metal sphere it's the kind of mine that naval forces would use uh, like post-world war ii so a lot of this kind of stuff would be found on like the coastline in in europe right. especially where there were so many of them right so this device they're going to learn enables them to swap bodies. They also learn very quickly that they could swap back this machine. Uh, so long as they are close together, they are able to do that. The story here is basically that uh, Jacob is a, an artist, but actually does not want to work at the loop much to his parents chagrin that they both work at the loop and would like him to do it. He has excellent grades and he knows he could get to go work at the loop if he wanted to. And meanwhile, Danny kind of is like, that would be like pretty great if I could just work at the loop, but I don't have good enough grades probably to be able to do it. They swap bodies, have a little bit of uh, it's the most like melancholy Freaky Friday ever, uh, ever where they're, like, mm -hmm. they're constantly like having to talk to people. And it's not the like, you know, comedy situation we normally would find ourselves in. It's much uh, it's much more awkward. Um, uh, Danny decides he is not going to swap back. Jacob ultimately does decide to see if he can just go and use the machine and swap back. And I don't know if it's clear whether he does, but he definitely ends up in the hospital. Um, and uh, and Jacob um this is very confusing, but Danny in Jacob's body uh, ends up sort of like living out his life in in Danny's, but remains there, I guess, seemingly by the end of the episode. Am I missing anything from either of these episodes? Uh, Danny like remains in Jacob's body at the end, and Jacob is trapped in the in the robot that is in. The oh woods. yeah, I forgot about the robot. Uh, right. And and ultimately, you know, we're left with like these this mourning family and like a whole broken situation. So there's a whole thing there. I think that's really while seemingly the other family is like as um, new Jacob is like, oh, I think I actually will go out the work at the loop, and I actually hate drawing now, which is and this, they like, are like, delighted. They're pretty right? happy. <laughs> Uh -huh. And again, this is Alma from episode one. I mean, uh, just like the connective tissue, going back to episode one, I knew I really loved this show, but I watched it once through it when it aired in the midst of all the lockdowns and went through all the melancholy emotions. It was like, I'm going to leave that back there behind me and yeah. appreciate it from a distance. Right. Um, so coming back to it, it really struck me how much episode one immediately connects into all the things we love about dark. The petite, my mom of it all was like so huge. I mean, we 
you got Helgi's pine cone stacked up on the windowsill, you guys. Right. It is like That's all right. there. The like weird science. We're talking about gravity, the town that is centralized around this big important area. It's not a power plant, it's the loop, right? Yep. And this is like the central premise of all the fiction that is inspired around Simon's thing. Like the role-playing game, it's colloquially called uh the 80s that never was. You get to go play in the 80s that never was. And there's a fundamental, it's this kind of speculative fiction idea that post-World War II, different forms of technology were developed than what we have today. So if you note, as we're going to be clocking moving forward, you're never going to see things like a personal computer in this 80s. There are no like apples at anybody's desks, mm -hmm. but there are robots. So they've mm -hmm. developed these kinds of like industrial kind of super science and machinery that is feels so familiar and obvious to us, but is really alien from what actually existed in the 80s. Um, episode one, I just think is such an interesting kind of musing on family, on the generational gaps, on generational trauma and the way that we've seen in things like dark, like Lindoff's Watchmen, right? And the way that this kind of like baggage gets passed on. The Jonathan Price character, presumably Alma's father and like Loretta's grandfather is kind of the extrapolation. There's just so much kind of interesting stuff, I think, for us to explore in that one alone. Well, I was thinking about in, in the fact that he is all not, yeah, Alma's would be like husband, right? Is that right? No, because it's oh. her, because it's the dad's. How, it doesn't matter. Whatever. You're right. No, you're right. Because he is the grandfather of what we're going to get to with Jacob and Cole later, right? Right. So he ends up, uh, he's Alma's father, I think is the idea. Yeah. Right. Um, Ariel, you said in in sort of talking about the show as a whole, you were like, yeah, and I really loved episode one. And I'm, I'm interest, interested in potentially like thoughts on both. But but what, it, what was it about episode one in particular that like you made you say like, yeah, particularly episode one? I... First of all, I'm Rebecca Hall, uh, mm -hmm. who plays the mm -hmm. older uh, Loretta. Great emotional. Did you recognize young Loretta, Ariel? Yes. Well, I knew I didn't recognize her. For, uh, I didn't know where I knew her from, but I knew that I did know her from. I knew that. And then I. She's always trying to I talk to God. From She's like, are you there, God? Yeah. It's are you me, there, God? Margaret. It's yeah. me, Loretta. It's me. Um, <laughs> it's me, young girl. <laughs> also, I'm trying to think. She also played. I don't have it in front of me now, but she played. There were like a couple of things. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, she was that. Um, so she's great, of course. But Rebecca Hall, I was immediately like in on and I was shocked to the episode two of it all. Like I, I was expecting a little bit more of an anthology and was pleasantly surprised that oh, crap, we're actually seeing some of these same characters. Like, how mm -hmm. is that going to bear as far as the the plot itself? Um, the idea that, like, petite mama, like, we, okay, hold on. Let me take a step back. Yeah. I saw, it's very interesting to me, this thing that I was thinking about. I went and saw randomly Back to the Future on Broadway because, like, the the tickets were discounted. And I was like, oh, I this is a great thing to do. I decided, like, very last minute. Better and, choice than going to go, uh, to going to Goosebumps. Uh, not yeah. Goosebumps, uh, Beetlejuice is the joke I'm trying to make. Yeah, Hilariously, so funny you say Beetlejuice because it's playing at the theater where Beetlejuice first opened. Just make sure there's so no Congress women. Hilarious. That is uh, a hilarious tale from the loop, if you will. Yeah. So, and I, in thinking about Back to the Future, the movie, certainly, and the show, you know, it was, the music was not great, but I did cry because they used the Alan Silvestri score, it's like it's hitting me right in the feels, the relationship between between Marty and Doc, like incredible stuff. 
And I'm thinking about like how in that movie and the show, they're like, there's such a thing about not interacting with yourself across time travel and mm -hmm. like how forbidden that was, not just in that project and a lot of, a lot of sci-fi across the, across the sci-fi spectrum. And your mileage may vary on whether that's like laziness or like, you know, cause obviously once you start interacting with yourself, it gets like way, way more complicated. And I love that every single, certainly because it's based on dark, but every single movie that each of us picked had characters interacting with other versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yep. And now we continue into the first episode and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. So the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, first I thought that young Loretta was her own mother. And I'm like, oh God, why is she not? Whatever. Then I thought that older Loretta was somehow both of their mothers, like was young Loretta's mother mm -hmm. and the kid's mom. And like, they right. weren't interacting and there was something weird about it. And then finally, right before the reveal, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's her. This is crazy. Like, how are they going to possibly explain this? And one of my favorite things about Dark we talked about is like the ability, how hard it is to heal your trauma just mm -hmm. by yourself. And like the idea that you in a different timeline, whether it's an older you or a younger you, would actually be instrumental in helping you do that. And like understand yourself in a way that no one else could no matter how long they had and i was crying at the end like full mm -hmm. on sobbing like the gift that Lo that young loretta is able to give older loretta when they're t when they are talking about their mutual experience with the mother that they had alma right and how alma seemingly didn't want to be a mother and older loretta is like you know, I is trying to give her her perspective as a as an older adult and as a mother now, like, yeah, I, I, I as hard as this is to hear her say, like, I just think she didn't really want to be a mom. And then younger Loretta says, your son, Cole, which is also her son, said the same thing about you and the impact that that has on her, like the same way that in Petite Maman, like arguably the older uh, as she's aging through life, waiting for this thing to happen, she's kind of stuck in that moment and can't quite move past it whether she realizes it or not and here she's so it seems to me like she is so hell-bent on prove like one tracking down where her mom went to me whether or not she thought it was real proving that this experience that she had as a child where she time traveled whether it was real whether it was a dream she thought it was a dream and now she realizes it's real and she gets this gift that's like you need to snap out of it and like live your life and be a mom or or just be not even be a mom whatever that means to people but be like a good person to your son be like open to be your present. son be loving yeah. to your son be present exactly and that she's able to give her that as hard as that is to hear and then at the end she has that lovely moment with her son where she's like my mom left me i would never leave you i'm here for you and you you hope and you it really does seem like it's like a new chapter for them um which then makes episode two way more tragic in a different way with the older brother, but we'll get there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but this was that was my favorite like moment for sure of like the first two episodes. What like strikes me about it, it's something there's something really powerful, I think, generationally for me and people of my age. I got a couple of years on you guys, and it just is so transportive to the 80s. And and that was a real time of like disconnection, you know. I think that just culturally, as we look at like the West, at least in my experience with like society, there's so much more of a concern moving into the 90s, the early 2000s with having like meaningful connections with your children 
children, right? Uh, but when you get to like all these these beats, there's just so much to kind of connect with Ariel. This notion that she spends her whole life and she's telling this young version of herself, you're gonna spend the rest of your life not sure if this was real, not sure if this was a dream. And I think it's exploring something that we talked about a lot on Dark, but the characters don't necessarily talk about that much in the context of the show, of like the Mickle Michael of it all. And how do you not recognize and how do you not connect? How do you not remember that you met young Ulrich at the school or the boy in the PJ in the skeleton pajamas that when your son goes missing? And and the as I find myself now as a man in my 40s trying to relate back to the six-year-old kid that was stomping around in the woods behind my house in 1986. There's so much of it that I still intellectually can remember and recall and, and bring to the forefront of my mind. But the emotional state that I was in then, as, as older people used to say, like, oh no, this will change, that will change. And at that time in my life, it felt impossible to hold a different viewpoint. It was impossible to imagine that I could ever not be so fixated on the the like, you know, lack of attention of my parents or the pain that I like felt at this breakup or that like moment that occurred, but it gets subsumed by a life lived by like the slow rolling of years that like layer themselves over it. And it becomes this part of you that is kind of distant and can be inaccessible. And this show, when I like am feeling all these feelings you're talking about, Ariel, it just like reaches in and is able to like open up these compartments in my my like uh, emotional baggage that feel like they're sealed away at times. And, and it's so, you know, resonates again with these ideas that I think we explore a lot in dark about these revelations that only we can accommodate ourselves. Right. And this whole like beat at the end of like, Oh, but you, you like these acorns, right? Is this a good one? And like the take a moment to like connect with your kid. You've been, she's almost Claudia. Right. I of course know Rebecca Hall from uh, the Christopher Nolan film, the prestige, which mm. is what she stands out to me for. But um, yes. we should watch tenant. Yeah, we should. <laughs> I think that after we're done with Tales of the Lord, and the, presti the Prestige and the Illusionist were like those two movies. Philip, yep. Philip Glass and Philip Glass yeah. was the composer for the Illusionist. Illusionist so there are all yeah. these like little, little. It's really very fun. I, I there's like just so much there, but I love what you're putting down, Arrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think for me, one thing I was thinking about from that moment, I really loved the you'll you'll wonder every day whether this was real or not. And Mm -hmm. I love that because... Memory is a thing that I find really fascinating because the, you know, I think this is true. People can tell me if I'm actually wrong and I got fooled by a, 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 like a tweet or something, but they say that your memory, every memory is a memory of the last time you remembered it. So that's how much your memories of something can change. Because if you, the first time you remember the the moment of this thing that happened, a, a moment from your childhood Maybe your hat is blue. And the next time, because you remember, you're trying to remember the, mo- you're remembering the memory of, of having it. Right. So that's why our memory like fades over time and the things become blurry. Right. And and sometimes it changes because you tell the story one time and you want to embellish something different about the story. And so now that's the new memory, right. It replaces that old one. And so I think to that point of in dark, how we, you know, I think very quickly, I, I was so happy that we were like, yeah, we can move past the like, well, how come they don't realize that like Michael is Michael or whatever, right? Because it's like, yeah, if it's not actually, this has never happened before, then like, why would you believe it's true? And I, I think this, this conversation of like the, this of like, you, you will try to remember whether this was true or not, I think is such a good explanation for how this can happen and for her not to just like live her whole life in pursuit of this moment happening right until it happens because it's not until there's a girl looking for her mom that i'm like "Uh oh it's happening i love that the other piece too that's a big theme in dark is you never know your parents um literally literally um magnus uh and and francisca talk about this uh and, and marta like we don't really know our parents and what i kind of love in terms of and again this is very petite mama is the idea that the, the this moment area that is my favorite moment from the episode from episode one as well, where she says, that's what that's what your son said, too, that you, you just seems like you don't want to be a mom. And so I feel like Alma loses her mom or sorry, Loretta loses her mom so early in her life, actually, that it would be hard to know. We see that uh, Alma is seemingly trying to do something like with something to do with the loop. Right. She says, I didn't steal this thing. Um, I'm, I'm using it for an experiment. I obtained it. I obtained <laughs> it. And, um, which might be a fancy way of saying I stole it, but I think that the idea that her, she might've been trying to pursue something that at the expense of what her daughter would view as not wanting to be a mom, but might be something bigger that actually makes Loretta's life 
more valuable, more meaningful. If it's something yep. about the loop that doesn't, you know, if the loop is like, you know, ruining people's life, whatever the thing is that she's trying to pursue in pursuit of potential. This is very Claudia. Oh yeah. Right? Of, like, yeah. of like Claudia is like murdering people. She's murdering herself in the, in the pursuit of making sure that her daughter can live in a world where there's not a power plant in the town that will give her cancer and die. And her daughter only ever sees a mother who abandoned her, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, until she eventually comes back and they get this moment. And so I think that that's so interesting that basically Loretta can potentially have done something as not, it's not, she didn't leave, so it's not the exact same, but that her own son feels like you give off this same energy. You give off this energy of like, you don't want to be my mom, potentially in the pursuit of actually working at the loop and having a job that makes sure that like he can have food on the table or like whatever, whatever the relationship thing is, right. To make, to like, you know, and make sure that he, like her kids go and work at the loop. So they have a sustainable life and that their life isn't difficult and challenging. I just think all of that, like the way that all of that was interplayed in one episode, again, this is where I'm going to go back to like, how is the show not more? <laughs> it's I know like, oh my it's God. really impressive. It's so it's well really crafted, the cinematography, yeah. the music, but the writing is really tight that we can get this tight of like a vignette, just meet these people and be this invested by the end. The Claudia for Loretta is so like one-to-one -to, -one to me in the sense that she's talking about, like I've spent my life questioning if this ever really happened and trying to like verify it and prove it and work on it through the loop. And it's this notion, Grace, like that thing you're talking about of like maybe making Cole's life better, making Jacob's life better even because Jacob is her other son, right? That we're going to talk about in episode two is that this, this dynamic of like, if she doesn't resolve what she resolves, could she even like send herself back? It's so fascinating to me. And like, she has to be there for herself in this moment. And that like thought has kind of dominated the entirety of her life such that she can't be present for her own kids and her own family until she's able to like reconcile this moment as it happens. Uh, yeah. It's really well crafted. Uh, we talk a little bit about Paul Schneider, who plays uh, who plays George. Great hands, great. Gr I love it. This is the Waller, right? We don't know what happened to. We don't get a reveal right yet that what happened to his hand. Does he? No, have, no. we have no idea what happened. Yeah, to his that's head. Waller's eye is George's hand. I think Paul Schneider, who was in a, or either of you, is this my thing that neither of you did Parks and Rec, right? Negative. I've, I've, Parks I've done Rec, very. Right? I did basically your version of. Tales from the Loop, where I watched the first season, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna come back to that because I know it gets better." And I just well, that's okay because yeah, Paul Schneider leaves the show and it gets much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So I watched all the Paul Schneider verse. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else from episode? Well, I mean, it segues, I think, nice. Well, I think two, that the important things I just want to like note before we like shift gears in episode two. A lot of people ask, "Is this supposed to be chronological storytelling?" It is. Uh, this element of like we're gonna see the robot that's gonna obviously come back. We're gonna meet Jacob. We're gonna see a couple of characters that like th again they really don't waste their real estate we're gonna kind of leapfrog through these peripheral folks so when you see somebody that catches your eye on the side of a screen or as a small player uh you may like get more there but it is supposed to be like sequential and chronological here like the events of episode two follow episode one so as we see uh what's his name there our younger son cole throwing rocks at the robot he's not actually throwing rocks at his brother uh as of this moment right. which is yeah. like a point that a lot of people come back to later but i do think it's a really elegant way to weave a through line through these almost um like you know separate stories as we go yeah the, i'm glad i'm glad you brought up the robot because i wanted to say something about the robot or i have like a 
thought about the robot that I'm not sure well, there's about. A really like funny beat in the terms of like she's literally telling her son not to bully the robot. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She with him, telling her son cute. to like be a better person. Yeah, it's really that, like that her older self kind of doesn't have the time for, I guess, in a way. Um, but uh, but speaking of, I did I did forget to say just very quickly, like the idea that Loretta, it's not just that young Loretta is helping old Loretta when old Loretta tells her younger self. I know you feel like you're alone right now. It's not always going to be this way. My house is your house. Jacob and uh, the other guy's name is <laughs> are your sons as hard as it is cool. to hear. You know, like all the, I think that's that's the other side of the coin of like younger helping older. It works both ways. And I think that makes it even more beautiful. The robot thing. I yes, I agree. My my interpretation was like you're saying rich that it is chronological and i'm i think the show is giving you reason to believe so but i think it's interesting that the robot kind of even just within episode one seems to have a personality even before the swap Mm -hmm. because the robot the way i remember it Mm -hmm. uh the robot we see the robot like in the beginning. Well, first we see the the little boy throwing the 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 rocks at the robot. It's lucky if you hit him in the eye. At some point, at some point, whether it was before or after that, um, I think it was earlier in the episode. Yes, comes to is like looking at right at younger Loretta, like from outside the house. And at that point, I think she is. That's before she travels. So the idea that like after the robot whether the robot is aware that she traveled or not the ro- it, it seemed to me like the robot has some idea that something weird is going on because the robot if, if the robot is sentient is like has an ability to notice things that we do not right just by like nature of their uh reality being different so the idea that like the robot was potentially checking in on mm-hmm. loretta because she traveled was like really fascinating to me because because of the way the robot is like picked on and because of the eyes like the robot is very to me um not just sad but like very uh he's endearing right yes he's like endearing and he's, and he's uh what's the word when you're able to simp like he can he can empathize like there's a level of empathy that i'm getting from the robot that's like he's aware of the situation more than anybody else and now you're adding in the layer of for episode two like now there is like a a difference in the robot's experience and is we have no reason to believe that like memories carry over and i don't think that that the body swap thing has nothing to do with anything that happened in in episode one but i just think it's so interesting that the robot is established as its own character and i'm so curious to see where that storyline goes, if anywhere It's else. really interesting just to like follow the through line of the robot in episode two. I think that part of what, what I really also love about this show is how bold they are with the ideas. At no point in episode two do those kids come out of the device and go, we've swapped bodies, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We like infer it through the acting. We don't have to like regurgitate all of the exposition and explain everything down to the millimeter for the audience. There's just a measure of confidence, I think, in the writing that I really find impressive and bold. But 
I think part of what you could extrapolate from the way that episode two resolves, Jacob goes back to the sea mine, this body swapping device, right? And he climbs inside of it. There's even the point where Danny says to him, don't worry, it's not a mine, which is why I'm like fixated on this idea of an aquatic mine. But he goes in, he's going to swap bodies. He goes to the robot. And I think if you're paying attention, like you are, Ariel, you realize the robot had sentience prior. So its mind presumably is put into this human body and its mind is incapable of like running the mandatory operating system to keep the human body functioning properly, which is why he needs to go on life support. Whereas the human mind is adaptable enough to understand how to automate the robot as, as Jacob gets like trapped inside of it. Right. And so it just creates this tremendously poignant dynamic when you consider that actually there is some sentience trapped within the robot. And I think when then even you dial back episode two to Danny talking with Jacob, would you rather be invisible or read people's minds? I'd be invisible. Oh, but then you'll hear what people want. Uh, the robot is a silent observer. It's mm. the silent witness that is overlooked. It is invisible in a way. Right. Right? Like uh, Jacob ends up trapped in this fate that he's articulating where he's invisible in plain sight in front of everybody and mm. people, he will be able to hear what people say. But I think that through line carries backward in episode one where the robot is this silent witness to Loretta's journey through time, Grace, and like is kind of bearing witness to this and like checking in on her it's all just like very poignant and powerful and, and especially with ex episode two i think it subverts expectations in the like capital g good way i think a lot of writers approach modern properties and are like well i'm going to subvert expectations and that's what's that's inherently clever because I'm doing that. And it's not always, sometimes it leaves you feeling really unsatisfied in the narrative. But the idea that as we meet Jacob and Danny, it seems so obvious that Jacob like badly wants Danny's life, but Danny's miserable life is kind of hidden from us. And like Danny's desire to live in Jacob's shoes is the actual like kind of heel turn that we're going to get in the episode, Grace, right? That like actually the kid who is strong and popular and has the girlfriend wants to abandon everything his he has for yeah. your sad life. And you now realize how great your sad life was. It just is an excellent subversion in the narrative, I think. Yeah, I I really enjoyed episode two. I think I might have, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, episode two is so much, I feel like is much darker than episode one, oh, episode sure. one. Yeah. is is dark there is like it's sad i feel like as opposed to pretty i don't know much more you know what i love i've said this a lot i love coming of age stories and i like them because i think that decisions made when you are a teenager are really hard to tell you know in terms of nature versus nurture i think um uh people who are younger who make the wrong decision or a decision that is I don't know. I feel like this is, I can say this is a wrong decision that he refuses to swap back into bodies. It's a terrible decision. I mean, I saw a lot but, of discourse about it of people being like, this is evil, right? Like it's pretty evil. evil. Yeah. And, and, but the, the, the storytelling choice that I think is potentially the most interesting choice of the, of the story is for uh, Jacob to go back to the device to try and essentially, I, my read of this is like, I'll just swap. I, I'll just let me try swapping back, even if Danny is not close. Right. If I go back to the machine, I get in it, then 
presumably there's a chance that it will swap back and he is wrong. And I think that that is super fascinating. Um, I actually think I kind of met, like, I, I, I don't think I really understood how the robot thing happened at the, at the end until you've just explained it. And I think that's really interesting um, uh, and fun. I kind of just thought like, if he can't, if there's nobody around, he can't swap with anybody. And so it like messes his brain up. But the, the fact, and no. this is where, the nobody says like ah he's been swapped with the robot right <laughs> like, like nobody like and the robot had sentience and now it's in uh the body that can't like move right so i i just found that really fascinating and and the thing i also kind of love is i do love these these movies that that let us linger in in what danny does is evil and he does actually not super seem to fully repent he is not ready to be like hey this is what happened. Also, he would sound crazy, but also like, yeah, he lies in the bed and is like kind of sad, but ultimately the family dinner where he's like, Hey, I'm going to give up drawing and I'm going to join the loop. And they're so happy. And he does have this little smile on his face of like, okay, I am, I think I can like kind of get what I want. And I think sometimes like that does happen in real life in terms of, of course, obviously yeah. not to this extreme, but you make a bad choice and nothing really bad hat like you live with it and you and that's that's the most consequence you face from this thing happening and so the realness of that is something that i thought was really effectively done in terms of i can see where you watch episode one and you maybe don't walk away during a lockdown being like that was sad but not that sad you know and then and then you watch episode two and you're like oh no that's like evil and like episode not fun one. to sit with yeah yeah, one is melancholy, right? It lingers in these like sad sentiments, but episode two is like aggressively difficult, you know? I mean, there's so much stuff about like autonomy, authority, the tragicness of both these kids' lives. We're carrying forward all that same generational trauma that we kind of established in episode one, right? This is the son of like the same uh like absentee mother to a degree, right. right? And Jacob, he's clearly a very sad kid as we meet him, like very tied in that like teenage space of, of his own melancholy. And then the fact that you have like his one good friend, like it is sad at the end as Danny's like, I miss my friend, but also he does nothing to like deal with it. He stands there watching his own parents mourn him as his father is saying to his mother, like correcting her tense. He's not gone yet. Right. The mother's saying he never made good choices he never thought about the implications of his choice to everything you're saying grace and the dad's like he doesn't think he isn't thinking he's still right here alive and and this boy is standing there watching his parents mourn his own death he leaves his deaf sister in their house with them and then like is going to break back into the house to get his tarantula and tell the deaf sister i'm still here like but then he leaves if? but then he yeah. leaves <laughs> right so, so evil. it's like i yeah. think i read a lot of people very actively in like my kind of recourse of the reviews of this yeah. that watched episode two and were like nope I'm done I don't want to watch the show anymore I hate this character viscerally the only reason I'm even posting about this show on the internet is because I've never hated a fictional character this much the writers failed and my counterpoint to that is like they got you to feel things and post on I, the internet. Like that's a really powerful piece of writing. I think we're supposed to be offended by the choice. I've never under, I, I, I don't really understand this. And I do like, I, you know, I, 
covered succession on this network. Like yeah, I obviously yeah, yeah. am like, okay with like bad people and moments where they want to make a sympathize. I feel like there's a lot of like, I was like going through a lot of the movies that I had watched of the last week and like looking at the letterbox reviews and people were like, yeah, but the characters are so like hateable. Like I don't mm -hmm. like them or they're annoying or they make bad decisions. And I'm like, that's the crux of like conflict is like people, drama, making, people making bad decisions. Um, one thing I, this started as a little bit of a joke that I wanted to talk about. Do you think that, um, uh, Loretta names her son Cole because she picks up essentially what looks like a piece of coal from <laughs> that Alma dropped. That Alma dropped. But then I was like, let me look at what the other names are, which is this is interesting. Jacob is a Hebrew name from mm -hmm. uh, Yaakov, which means to follow. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Daniel is a Hebrew name that means God is my judge. Um, Danny being the one who's like, yeah, I'm gonna stay in this body. I'm gonna stay in Jacob's body and be like. Yeah, don't judge me. God is my judge. I think it's very, I don't know if that's intentional at all, but I do I do love it. And Jacob being the one who's like following Danny's lead in terms of like the spelling's very Danny. intentional. I mean, we're using like the Hebrew spelling of Jacob, right. so it feels pretty poignant in that way. How about good dad George too, breaking up the fight with his kids? No parents in dark ever would have broke that fight up. By There's the way. also a great hey, go line. home. There's a great line, Ariel, later, where George comes in and he's like, seems like you guys were fighting. And Danny, as Jacob, says, I don't want to talk about it. And George says, what makes you think I wanted to talk about it? No. It was so realistic. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, well, who says I want to talk about it? Like, I don't want to talk about it either. I just was like, as, to a be parent, a dad, you know? as a parent, there are so many times you're like, okay, now I have to like clean up my child's <laughs> mess. You're like, get involved in the situation uh -huh. that you don't want to at all be involved in let alone know anything about um yeah, teenage trauma such a funny i agree i that was that was probably the funniest moment there weren't that many that i can remember but uh that for sure was a a very well earned and very well constructed moment of of levity it felt like they're memeing a little bit off the quintessential 80s dad a la stranger mm. things you know what yes. i mean of like the man in the chair like i couldn't care less about your life but a little <laughs> less but a little less cartoonish yeah. than than the yeah. stranger things dad was um i think the the thing with that dinner that we're talking about when like you know fakeb is talking to uh Loretta, yes, Loretta. Wow, Jacob oh, is Loretta. really good, Ariel. Thank you. Jacob is very good. I, I like pause for applause and nothing happened. Um, yeah. I like the idea of again. I was caught by that. This is just where my brain goes. Read into what you will about like in regular life. Like I love the I love when these shows, especially dark, and we talked about this so much. Like in its sci-fi ridiculousness and the lengths and the leaps and the bounds that it takes it's so still relatable at times to just the unknowable of regular everyday life. And the idea that like, because of what Loretta has been through and who knows the kinds of th stuff that she sees by working at the loop, like if there's anyone that could understand what is happening with Jacob, it's her. And the idea of like the very universal idea that everyone grapples with of like, Oh, you should tell your mom. No, she could never understand. Mm -hmm. And like, this is like, yes, she could understand if there's anybody that can understand it's her and the tragedy of that, like so simple, but so earned again, because of everything that happens in episode one. And it's, it's incredible. And it's really tragic. And I'm like, just talk to your damn mother. And then the, the, ro I, I don't know, like the robot is just gonna live 
like on the one hand, I don't want to know, but of course I do want to know. Like, what's his I little runaway? With the his little so robot cute, runaway right? as he runs down the street. Blum, yeah, blum, blum, so adorable. This is one of the best Star Wars droids I've ever seen. <laughs> these are explicit, like Stalin Hog illustrations brought yeah. to life too. Yeah. You know, when you see these robots, these are like images again that I've been looking at for fifteen years almost at this point. That that like inspired people's imaginations enough to go and craft this show, which I just find so incredible. Uh, I do think like, you know, it, it's kind of like pointed to note again, we're moving chronologically forward. Like all of the things that happen this episode will matter uh, in episodes three. And as we like proceed out of here, the whole notion of like Jacob being stuck in this robot, like an invisible witness to all of it is really compelling. I also really loved uh, the high sparrow, Jonathan Price. there showing up and like, kind of like, what are you, why are you guys hanging out at the vacuum store? You know, like, what are we doing here? You, you got decision paralysis? <laughs> so good. Hilarious, but also I feel like the, I mean, it's Jonathan Price, right? And like, I recognized the voice right away. There's the moment in episode one where you don't, you don't see his face, but you hear his voice. He's talking to Alma before she disappears. And he's like, you can't keep doing, you know, something along the lines of like, he's reprimanding her, I guess. Yeah. Right. He, he's aware of her, like having taken the thing. And then the way in which he like, is he aware of the fact that this thing was out of time for however many years and now was just returned by younger Loretta in the older Loretta's timeline. And I'm bringing it up because there's a way in which he knows exactly what's going on in this moment where he runs into the two kids. And I love that the show is, and maybe it's just me reading into it, but I feel like the show is keeping that ambiguous, whether Mm -hmm. or not it stays ambiguous is a different story, but of like, if he is some sort of leader figure or like the ultimate uh, authority when it comes to thing, all things loop, then there's a way in which like he's aware of every single thing that's happening or has a way to find out every single thing that's happening. So I just love him established as this kind of potentially uh, all knowing figure that's like played for last in this moment, which is hilarious. I agree. But then I'm also like, wait, wait, does he know? Yeah. How much do you know? I spell. Yeah. Uh, It's really good. I think the other point that like, I saw a little bit of like confusion on that, that shouldn't be ambiguous. I mean, Danny's maybe best moment is after he realizes like that his body has collapsed, that, that there's something Jacob tried to go back and use the dome himself. He goes out into the woods and they're disassembling the dome. Right. So now this like reversible process is no longer reversible and it's weighing heavily on like what Danny's mom is saying in that hospital room and what you talked about, Grace, of like, you know, you make these decisions as a young person and sometimes they set the course for your life in really formidable ways that it is hard to like break out of the bounds of, you know, and and ultimately he ends up trapped. Like there is that's like the one moment of, of seeming like uncertainty that he may be like, oh, gosh, I've made a bad choice he could have dragged he could have dragged danny back and tried to use the machine but it's gone now right like it's i was worried that he was gonna swap because i i'm sure similar to a lot of people when you're watching this you're like okay one of two things is gonna or i guess one of three things is gonna happen because i did notice i guess i'm like prone the way i noticed the the robot in the first episode everywhere and like yes you're not you're not able to see this but ariel has put on his ariel has binoculars i put on my my hand binoculars i'm Uh looking at the robot right now in my room uh Uh, the i noticed him walk by the robot on the way to the machine and i was like 
wait, is he going to swap with the robot? But I was immediately more. And then he gets into the thing. I'm like, okay, one of two, th putting the robot aside for a second. One of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to swap with like a bug or something horrible. Cause I'm like, I don't know what the radius is of this like thing or nothing is going to happen because you know, there's no, there's no like second person there theoretically. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, we don't understand the the exact parameters of how this thing works, but when it's the, the review and then I kind of forgot about the robot thing and it makes so much sense, like you said, Rich, about like the brains and how it could work. But like, damn, that robot, he's just like living out there by himself, getting caught up in all kinds of hijinks. and didn't even do anything. Now he's stuck in a human body. Like arguably the most innocent being in the whole damn thing so far. Yeah. yeah. He just tried to help poor sweet Loretta. I mean, part of this is like, um, you know, after the episode, like theory crafting to a degree. I don't think there's anything to like verify the brain of the robot, but certainly we know like, uh, it, it, like it seems clear that Jacob is in the robot at the end of the episode. His daddy has this revelation and he runs off in the woods. And that is a through line that's interesting. You know, um, the next episode follows this one in a, in a fascinating way, but it's going to do the same thing in terms of the show telling us what it is, Grace. Like it has it. This is it. I there are these very character focused vignettes that are exploring these different slices of sci-fi in a kind of Twilight Zone way. Very fun. Yeah, Twilight Zone is a good comp. Twilight Zone, Black Mirror. Um, I actually think this is a show that potentially we're doing it weekly, essentially. And I don't really plan Ariel to be diving here, but I, I do. I, Rich, I'm wondering your thoughts. This feels like a show that dropped as a binge and feels good as a binge. And I, maybe that's wrong. Be, like there is, I think we'll have fun. I think getting to dive into all of the, I, it's not a show that we're, you can tell we're not going like, like the way we did dark, Super like, grand okay, like this happened and that's important later. And what, like, I don't, you know, it, this obviously ended up being one season. So there's a big difference. And I think Baron, uh, Boadar and, and Yante Frise like stand out amongst some of the greatest, like completionist storytellers, ever in 1899 it now sucks that that has to like be in the camp of of basically like a tales from the loop but it's not the the exact same but there's a world where it does feel like because you just you like jump into something like i can see where we like yeah like catching jacob in the background is something that like if you didn't maybe dive maybe it's better that we are going because like maybe i didn't catch it fully that like i know he's in there i didn't understand i the, how it happened was less so what i Sure, sure, sure. So I, I think that it's really interesting because I think that Dark was also a binge show. We've all talked about show. our experience of it dropped. You would binge a season. You would obsess on it until the next season. Then you binge that season along with the first one. So for me, the process and we all had seen Dark multiple times. So all of us taking like a week and then like kind of steeping in it and really uh, like interrogating our own sensibilities about it was interesting. I definitely like slammed through the show and binged it and it was excellent and it lingered with me. But again, I have not revisited it and just already in watching even this week is the week we're covering two episodes because of our schedule, but just like kind of steeping in those through the afternoon, through a day here to come and talk to you. I think it's going to be really fun and i think that there's a lot of the connective tissue that it would be really easy to overlook if you're cruising yeah. like episode yeah. to episode i think like us stopping down to talk about some of the specific points and i'll certainly try to like highlight some of where like the lego pieces might plug back in as we go but i think it's gonna be really satisfying to watch week okay. by week that said I do think it's a really fun eight hour afternoon on a rainy day. Like it, fun is the what? wrong adjective, but uh, uh, artistic, let's say. This could have been one I think, like I might recommend that people binge it and then mm -hmm. and then watch weekly yes. with us. I think yes. is actually 
the way that like that's basically how we did dark it's not necessarily how like ariel and i might be doing it rich you're in that camp of like not that you maybe rewatched it recently but you have watched it before and are now doing it that feels like maybe it's the fun the fun way to do it and maybe if you have if you've done the whole thing and you have specific uh things like send them to rich rather than than ariel and i but um we will get the feedback form up and running i'll keep it in the show notes um again the the url is pushrecaps.com slash dark feedback but you'll notice that it will be tales from the loop feedback when you open up the form let's quickly as we wrap up here let's do mvp lvps and ratings as we are uh want to do on a dark rewatch podcast we'll do them from tales of the loop um i think uh, we'll do them individually for each episode so to for accounting purposes i think episode two has a very easy lvp for me which is going to go to danny um uh, I think is the, the easy choice. I do, I do, as I say, I love coming of age films. I don't know that he's entirely blamed, but I, I do think he probably, you probably have to give him the LVP point for refusing to swap back. I'm um, giving him the LVP point. Yeah. Okay. I mean, can I just like jump yeah. right in front yeah, of the queue sure here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I can't think of anyone like on the one hand, it's a very, especially when you're that age and like, he's clearly much more worried about what people think of him then then jake then jacob and so like there's a way in which i i empathize with his position but like ultimately it's such a i empathize with like the emotion and the instinct yeah. but it's such yeah. like to go through with it is such a it's pretty evil like, yeah. evil. like regardless that of how much he did or didn't think it through like it does come across as again like a very teenager impulsive thing of like yeah i don't really want to do it anymore um it's yeah, it's it's a no go. It's an LVP. Is there an LVP from episode one? Um, uh, it's tough, I, I think. I'm yeah. I'm gonna just say Alma for like Steve. <laughs> True. The science that makes yeah, yeah. her mm. disappear and time travel her daughter inadvertently. Oh. I don't think she's nearly on Danny's caliber of LVP, but she's no Hannah. But I'll, I'll throw her out there. You know. Well, one thing I was gonna say is uh, one thing I meant to bring it up as we wrapped up the kind of the episode one talk was um. I don't think there's a scarier moment than the episode where, or the scene where she goes to look at what her mom's doing. Her mom's on the computer and the windows crack. Uh, it's pretty actually terrifying. Um, yeah. That's a good, good call Alma for episode one. Do you have one? Uh, Maybe LVP for the, to the windows for cracking. The windows. Like, so they're so weak. Um, no, hold on. I, Should we just give it, I'm going to, maybe I'll spread the love to uh, between episodes one and two to Loretta's kids. Cause in episode one, Cole is just chucking rocks at a robot, a sentient robot. Is that enough to give an LVP point? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. I mean, yeah, I think uh, some shows no, or some episodes no, but I think in this episode there aren't. I'd give him an MVP point if he did more damage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with a rock? Yeah, he that's classic get, Rich. He only gets yeah. the MVP point if he hits the eye, which it didn't seem like he did. <laughs> he missed. Or in an alternate universe, the ear. He and Helgi would be so tight with those pine coats, so they, they would be, be such good friends. Yeah. Errol, who's your LVP for episode one? Uh, I can't give it to Jacob or Russ. I almost want to give it to to the security guy for. Coffee. I was thinking the security <gasps> guard is like your mom well, doesn't like, work he does here. It doesn't thing. help at all. But he does the good thing. He does. He takes yeah. the extra step of yeah. alerting adult Loretta that she yeah. has come calling, and he actually by that becomes very instrumental in her going to the place where they were young Loretta and old Loretta first met at the bar, which she's aware of because of her memory. I guess I have to give it to to what's his name to Cole as well. Not Alma. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, MVPs for the episodes. I right? was going to give my MVP to episode one to Gaddis, the security guard, for calling yeah. the mom. He saves the day, man. Yeah. He goes the extra mm-hmm. mile. Hellgate never would have done that. He would be like, you want <laughs> this extra book? Never. You want this townhouse book? I have extras. Claudia Pretty. won't take them. Uh, I think that I love Gaddis. He's great. Yeah. See, well, I, yeah, I, I, I like that I explained all the reasons why he does deserve it. So jokes yeah. on me. Thank you. Uh, Ariel, who you get for episode one? Who are you giving it to? Uh, this is MVP now, right? MVP, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is like a this is the way that we cheated in dark. Like, if I give it to Loretta, do I have to make the distinction between old Loretta and young? No, Loretta? I think every Loretta gets a like it's the same Loretta. Yeah, right? okay, same rules yeah. apply. Then I have to give it to Loretta because I, yeah. the moments mm-hmm. the moments between them, especially in the end, right before they separate from each other, like incredible stuff. Sam, I give it to uh, I give it to Loretta as well, specifically young Loretta that she. She just time travels. She has to deal with a lot more than older Loretta. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. for good a much younger person too. I this mean, is like, talking uh, about like, yeah. kid actors. They're they're like give good performances. These this is people. Abby Ryder Fortson. Who is yeah. Uh, the other thing you might have been thinking of Ariel, I believe she was in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. She is OG Cassie, I think, who then gets replaced. I believe right. The actress gets replaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, MVP for episode two. Um. Part of me wants to give it to Jacob. I don't know that he actually. I mean, he just is doesn't end good for. I mean, it's bad. is it the robot just for being there when he needed a friend? Yeah, that could be the robot. I mean, yeah, uh, the tarantula just for the cool reflection the on Danny's face at night. Yeah, uh, yeah. I Danny's don't... dad for not giving up. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I kind of want. I kind of want to give it to Danny's mom for being like not great. I mean, she's dealing with something. Uh, from being that great this horrible. is mvp we did LVP. oh mvp sorry okay right. yeah yes. yeah danny uh, danny was our lvp i i have a pick for my mvp i want yeah, to go, go with the diegetic music i want to go with the string quartet okay. in the barn at the Not end the of stranger the stranger sound window. uh should it, we like, give it to philip glass should we just be giving philip glass i, I mean like i'm big time there uh-huh. i just love the use of like the actual like in canon the like um music that they're playing and it is the score and we get like the simon sonog framed like shot of the window and the barn and it's like this lingering emotion a uh, great way to end an episode of tv i'm gonna give mine to jacob he's so sweet when he's helping cole draw like so many shows are like brothers in this is true i have three brothers so like i know i know what it's like uh my brothers were often not being like let me help you draw but he's so sweet and then he gets stuck and he gets stuck in a robot i think i'm gonna vote, I'm gonna vote with jacob for it's MVP. very tragic yeah. ariel what about you yeah <sighs> Yeah, I don't think I can give it to him because he gets bamboozled. It's fine. That's fine. Um, no. I, I think I'm just gonna. I'm going down the, the list. I feel like I can poke holes in everyone that they either. Not that they did something crappy, but they, you know. Were... Spoiler alert! I think this is gonna happen a couple more times as we talk through this season. Oh God! All right. Well, then I'm gonna take. I'm gonna t- uh, take my opportunity because it was grace's suggestion and give it to philip glass because perfect i got to do that at least once perfect uh i like also like for george uh when they're like what's your hobbies like i like hockey and they're like oh really <laughs> but, but like, it takes them like 10 seconds to think of it <laughs> that's pretty funny um all right ratings for dark we did one out of three i think that does make sense i would i would maybe like do should we keep one to three I mean, the only other number I could think that potentially makes sense, it is eight episodes. Eight is an infinity symbol. And so a scale Ooh. of one to eight potentially makes sense. No, I let's do on a scale high. of one to infinity. I like well, it's like okay. two loops. Yeah. 
lips. Two lips is an infinity <laughs> lip. So I don't know. I don't know what we want to rate it out of, but. Damn, but I we, forgot about the I forgot about the third. It's, it's I thought you were could gonna keep, say damn triketra. We uh, could yeah, did you forget about the triketra? We could just keep it <laughs> one to three. I'm totally fine with the one to three. I like one to eight. Like like I like the idea that the I don't want to overcomplicate it, but I like the, the show, idea that the sh- thing yeah, the yeah. thing the mythology dictates the like number the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's do one to eight. Uh I mean, you could just extrapolate that by like three. Uh, it's all it's all percentage. It's all percentage. <laughs> grace, it's it's all... grace the mathematician. It's so obvious how you translate them. It's all D and D math, basically. Yeah. Um. So I will give then episode one. I think I will give it a six and a half, and I will give episode two a seven out of eight. I think is where where I line up, and that maybe even feels low. But that is what I will do. I don't know if this is going to end up being like a dark and succession thing where we just end up being like, if it's on a scale of one to eight, every episode is like a 7.5. Or higher. You know, yeah, you know, we get closer. We're going to break the scale. It's going to be yeah. 8.8 by next week. I think that I'll like follow your suit a little bit here, Grace. Let's say episode one is 6.9. Nice. Yeah. And then yeah. I would like to go for, I think, episode two i really like and in my recollection of the series proper i think it's one that stands out to me let's call it 7.5 yeah this might be one where i think rich we will all have to give ourselves but especially errol and i have some leeway to be like oh that one was like way worse than the red and now i need to like mm-hmm. bump up my previous ones but for the time being this works uh ariel what about you yeah i i'm i'm worried that i'm gonna i know overcomplicate my life here but i gotta give episode one an eight Wow. Um, it's and I yeah. I liked it better than episode two. So I'm tr- my my point of confusion is more how low how do you, slash high do I yeah. go with this one that I yeah. liked a little bit less in in the context of your you're saying grace of wherever else is going to land. But yeah, I am so somewhere between a six and a half and a seven. So I'll I'll say I'll I'll do I'll do the rich nice. I'll do the six point nine. Nice. Yeah, heck yeah. All right. Uh make sure folks you uh, vote for your MVPs. But if you feel free to go, even though we're gonna move ahead to episode three, submit your MVP LVPs and your votes for episode uh three as well as feedback, but you can also backdate and you can give MVP LVP votes for preview for the first two episodes, and I will include them in the tallies as we trek along. We're doing one episode next week. Um episode three. Uh very fun. I'm excited for this journey. In the meantime, Rich, what else do you got going on? Where can people find you? Gosh, I'm keeping super busy. So I'm at DM Philly on Twitter. My DMs are open. If you want to hit me up with any feedback or questions about Tales from the Loop, please do. I'm talking about Ahsoka. I'm talking about the Wheel of Time. Both of them are coming in. They're kind of penultimate uh, episodes as we're like moving through those seasons very quickly. Uh, you're going to be coming back to join Austin Smith and myself talking about the finale of season two of Foundation, which mm-hmm. has been super, super awesome. Uh, Mike Bloom and I getting together to talk about uh, some adjacent boys material over on Amazon pretty soon. Prez and I talking about the Winter King over on MGM Plus. So I'm talking about a lot of TV. Sure are. Ariel, what about you? I am just uh, geeking out about the fact that Matt Reeves is one of the executive producers of this, like the mm-hmm. director of 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 Batman, of the latest Batman movie. Yeah, the Batman. And just like a lot of awesome things. The executive produced a lot of awesome things that I wasn't even aware of, and I want to go back and watch. He this. likes some melancholy stuff, that guy. Yes, and that's why I'm like, there's a way in which like, even though Batman takes place in like, quote unquote, the real world, as far as like him not having powers, the way in which like the multiple identities of the Batman versus Bruce Wayne, like kind of tack on to some of these other projects that he's been involved in, and I think that that's like super, super fascinating. 
I am on Twitter at that other Ariel. I'm covering movies with you, Grace, Pusher Recaps Theater. I'm covering Sex Education, which comes back, unfortunately, for its last season. But I'm super excited to talk about it with Adam H. and Jess Sterling. And yeah, I'm excited to to watch Ahsoka and then hear what uh, Rich and Co. have to say about it. The morning show. Did you mention the morning show? Did you say that? Did I did not mention it? the morning show because I was testing you, Grace, to you. see if you would remember it. You, you and I are covering that. So yeah, Apple one. TV Plus. Um, yeah, I think everything is mentioned. What we're gonna do one more uh podcast on the heels feed. We're gonna be talking about wrestlers, the Netflix show. Um, Stan and I will binge the whole thing and chat about it in one episode, and everything else has been mentioned. So I'm on socials at high from Grace or Echo for Grace. We'll be back next week with episode three of Tales from the Loop. Until then. Ultimate fist bump. Ultimate fist bump. Ultimate fist bump. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.